Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got our Counterpoint panelists all in place, ready to go. We got Anthony Fury, who you can read, SunPost Media. He's a columnist and a national comment editor. Hello there. Happy Friday, y'all. And we got Bob Richardson in the house, back with us, senior counsel over at National Public Relations. Hello. Bonjour from Bonjour. Quebec City. Oh, nice. Oh. oh, I hope you're in a flood zone. There you go. Well, not in a flood zone, but uh, you can tell us what it's like from the flood zone. Uh, and I, I, ironically, this is what we're going to start on, because I was reading an article last night, as I uh, often do after work, because I have no life. But uh, a CBC article on the flooding in Quebec's North Shore. Um, this is one of the big flo- flood zones. And I think it's the Saint-Marte uh, community. And I could be saying that wrong. Um, but we've seen thousands of people evacuated because a dike burst. Um a couple about a week ago it wasn't built on a flood zone it was actually built on a lake bed an entire community and once the flood drops and assuming it actually does i think the conversation does move to you know do we rebuild i think the question though bob comes down to why the hell was it built to begin with like how could a city planner think that this was a long-term good idea i completely agree with you on this and i think we're going to have to take a hard look. It's not just here. Mm. It's in Man- Manitoba. It's in the far, far north of Ontario. It's in Ottawa, it, here in Quebec, uh, in uh, Rigaud, in Ilbizar. These places have been flooding for years. And, you know, it requires a huge investment of public funds every time to go in, clean up, rebuild, do a whole variety of different things. So I think we need to do some really good analysis. This one uh, in the same map, the one that you were referring to, is this isn't a climate change issue. This is a bad planning issue. And I think uh, I think we we need to differentiate those two, too, as well. I do as well. I mean, Anthony, it's just reckless to me. I mean, Ontario has stricter regulations. As I understand, it's done provincial by provincial and municipalities kind of take care of their own. And in Quebec, it was like low taxes and you could get discounts on certain things. That drew a lot of people, okay? Who doesn't want to live by the water? It's just, I don't want to live in the water. Well, there you go. You've spelled it out. I mean, I, I, I can't fault people for wanting to find a more affordable place to live and to own a home. I mean, look, in, you know what the real estate market is like in the Toronto and the GTA area. If they could find a way to somehow push back Lake Ontario behind a dam, there would be people living in the lake basin because, you know, that's how how desperate people are getting for housing and land and so forth in this city. So it's hard to fault people who want to do that. But to Bob's point, you know, land planning use and so forth, cities going, oh, we can broaden the tax base and all of that. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, to your point, Alex, this was not a flood zone. It It is a lake. It's yeah. a lake. They just happen to have pushed the water back. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. I say stick the bill to the planners who allowed that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, but again, how did they even get insurance? Good question. I have no idea, but I think I think people are going to get a lot more rigorous on this over the next five to ten years. Uh, both insurance companies will be, and I'm, I, you know, because other 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 otherwise they'll be losing their shirt. Yeah, and I think I think we need to get a lot more rigorous about this. Um, so that we're not building in uh, floodplains and areas that are inappropriate because at the end of the day, it costs us all money. Oh, it costs us billions and billions in losses. Um, we will, should talk about the climate change issue of the day, which is a court ruling in Saskatchewan, a split decision which came down ruling in favour of the Liberals that it does in fact have the constitutional power to implement a carbon tax in uh, provinces that don't meet Ottawa's minimum price. And this is a big fight. Ontario's fighting in Alberta, you know, Manitoba, New Brunswick. I want to play you, uh, Kat. Catherine McKenna, who came out and spoke on it earlier today, here's part of what her reaction was. 
Not only did it find that a price on uh, pollution is constitutional, but it is an essential part of any credible plan to tackle the global challenge of climate change. It, it said that climate change is man-made man and is a great existential issue of our time. When I heard that, Anthony, I mean, the court ruling ruled in favor of the liberals. It was not a slam dunk, but they did get the win. But nowhere in there did the judge or the, the nowhere in that ruling did it actually validate climate change was man-made or anything. That's just that's just conflating an issue. And the Global News Twitter account has the video of her saying that in a longer clip. And I, I think it was needless gloating. It was poor winner. Uh, there's a bit of smirking going on in all of that. Uh, and you're right. What she said is also factually correct. The court ruling doesn't say that it deals with the, a constitutional issue over whether regulating, uh, being able to regulate this opens up the feds to basically regulate a whole bunch of different emissions related and industry related issues. And that, that the specific Saskatchewan argument was about a constitutionality issue and they lost by a by a hair it was a split decision three two scott moe is going to appeal this we're going to see it at the supreme court the, look the fact that they are so seized with the climate change issue when when gerald butts resigns the only policy issue he mentioned in his resignation letter was climate change talking about the floods i mean they're in front of people who've just lost their homes at evacuation centers trudeau's going on about climate change i mean heavens they started this fight because this was not a key part of the 2015 campaign he did mention it in the campaign but it wasn't like a key thing he went on about ad nauseum. They decided to force this on the provinces. It's their fault, and it has become needlessly divisive because they are forcing this on governments they know don't want it. They have to step away. Just because a court, even if the Supreme Court says you can do it legally, it doesn't make it right. Well, I don't even think it will get to the Supreme Court, and I don't know what the Ontario decision will be. It could go in favor. It could go... I don't know which way it'll go, Bob, but the bottom line is I think ultimately the people of Canada will make the decision on this in October. Well, number one, for the 17th week in a row, she gets the award for being the worst communicator in the government of Canada. She it's exciting. All right. All right. Can I just stop? Stop right now. That's Bob Richardson saying that. So it's not no, just me because I think she's unhinged, she, <laughs> frankly. It's me a fairly, you know, uh, in favor liberal. And she enrages me almost on a <laughs> okay. weekly basis, right. let alone Mr. and Mrs. Front Porch. I can just imagine them throwing their chairs as we speak. But anyways, I digress. On uh, on the issue itself, look, 3-2 is a, uh, it's a, it's a win uh, for, for the federal government. And, uh, and I think it will go to the Supreme Court. I think the federal government will win handily at the Supreme Court. But that, that uh, uh, as Anthony was saying, doesn't end the issue uh, politically if that indeed happens. Mm -hmm. um, the government has to make some decisions at that point. Do you want to continue? Does it make sense? Do you use it as a way of bargaining uh, with uh, with the provinces to get some concessions on things um, without implementing it so that, you know, we move together a little bit more uh, in, in the right direction? Um, it, it does... It does show that uh, using the courts and wasting millions of dollars of taxpayers' money, uh, which is the latest stunt from uh, from conservative premiers, may not be the best uh, best use of taxpayers' money and may not be the best use of their time. No, but it is going to be a big election campaign issue for the Liberals. And I'm not sure. I mean, look, climate change is not the number one issue. It will come down to economics for people choosing. Uh, you know, but that this is going to be the puck that they rag. But you know the the economic argument has expanded greatly in the last uh, in, in the, the last, last two weeks two, uh, <laughs> weeks too as well. Uh, it's not just geez, you know, it's X number of cents on my gas. It's 
uh, my house is floating down the river. So, you know, there's, so there, so the conversation has changed, I think, considerably. I think there is an argument for the federal government to make. I think there is an argument for a carbon market. Um, I, I thought cap and trade was better. There are conservatives that support it. Preston Manning's a good example of that and a whole variety of others. So, you know, there is an argument to be made here. I am just not sure that she is the right person to be making the argument because she drives me crazy. Well, at least I'm not the okay. So this is not for me. Like I'm not the being the mean person. She just she drives me nuts. Nails too, on a now. chalkboard. Yeah. <laughs> Nails on a chalkboard. You know, and I think there's also a conversation to be had to to uh, somewhat disagree with what Bob's saying. There's a conversation to be had about a whole bunch of other things we can do to be responsible stewards for the environment. Uh, sectors like the forestry sector have done massive reductions. Recycling. Uh, I mean, in their this emissions. Week, well, yeah. emissions. Alex have gone down in various sectors because they have been innovating. If you're doing something emissions intensive, there is a cost to emitting whatever it is you're doing. So if you can create the same mousetrap with, you know, half the amount of emissions, you're going to save a lot in your production costs. Industries are doing that right now. Donald Trump, when he withdrew from the Paris deal, which I thought was a fantastic decision, he said in that speech, and we're still going to be the greenest country ever. And everyone laughed at him. And the the numbers are in for, for 2017, and I, th- I think for 2018. And the U.S. is actually leading uh, the world largely in in a lot of reductions out there after withdrawing from the Paris deal. So we don't need to have this one big blunt instrument. There are so many other things that can happen. Well, I think uh, one thing that Global News has done this week very effectively, um, you know, Carolyn Jarvis did a, a, a series, an investigative series into the recycling industry. And what, what was unveiled and what was revealed is that, A, it's not working at all. We are being ripped off. And most of the stuff we're recycling is ending up in landfills. And the Asian countries, Bob, that take it, they don't want it anymore. And so whomever is running this country, they have to figure this out because municipalities are hemorrhaging cash and we are not dealing with the plastics that are ending up exactly where they're not supposed to be. Well, I think most people are reasonable on these issues. And A, we've got to clean those sort of things up. I think people want to see a vibrant, clean tech industry. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think most moderate, reasonable people think we need to build pipelines. Uh, the, you know, the carbon market is not going away for the next 50 years. We need a pipeline west, we need a pipeline east, and we need a pipeline south. Mm. Um, I happen to support cap and trade. I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. I think we can be doing three or four of those things to move ourselves forward on the on the climate change agenda. I think uh, some conservatives are extremists on the issues and don't want to do anything and even acknowledge uh, climate change, which is a problem. And then we have extremists on the government side, like the Minister of the Environment and Climate Change, who, you know, uh, constantly is ringing the bell and constantly lecturing people, which I don't think is the right approach either. So I'm I'm for the middle of the road approach where you do three or four things. You try to make progress. Uh, Alex, I'll just say if a, if this report and this these investigations show that recycling, which is, seems like a relatively simpler thing than an elaborate carbon market. If we can learn that recycling has a lot of scam stuff going in it, I mean, what does that actually have to tell us about what we might learn about the carbon pricing market once it's been around for a few years? Yeah, well, nonetheless, we'll be hearing lots about it in the election. All right, guys? 
Where's my Catherine McKenna soundbite, Mike? That's all I want. Let's show the woman. No, please. Leave a well, poor man alone. It's this Friday was here. This on. was her last we week. It's we exciting. That's her. Just last week. We got Bob Richardson in, uh, in Quebec of all places. And we got Anthony Fury sitting right beside me. Good to have you both. Um, learning earlier this week, yesterday in fact, that uh, a one-time star liberal MP, Andrew Leslie, will be packing it in after just one term as MP. He said at the time it was time to choose another path. And then... Watching the old Twitter feed today, we learn that he will, in fact, be a starring witness against the Trudeau Liberals in the Vice Admiral Mark Norman case, which I think becomes a very big problem for the Trudeau government. And just on an off note, um, the GoFundMe campaign for Mark Norman, I tweeted out, got a $5,000 donation as soon as that came out, which I thought was pretty funny. But this poses some problems for Mr. Trudeau, right, Anthony? Yeah, yeah, and the account has gotten dozens of donations just in the past few hours, because I think when you have... Andrew Leslie, uh, a retired general, uh, saying, I stand by Mark Norman. That sends a signal to a lot of people. I saw Rick Hillier give a presentation a few weeks ago where he got up on the stage. He said, Mark Norman is a hero of mine. I will back him up any day now, any time. So you've got a whole bunch of senior military figures saying this doesn't smell right. Mark Norman is facing one criminal charge of breach of trust related to leaking a cabinet confidence about a shipbuilding deal, Mm. basically leaking to the media. Now, he says he did not actually do that, um, but... Even if he did... But leaking in Ottawa is like depends. You you put them on and you leak. He's believed to be the first person in in Canadian history who is actually charged with something like this. And to charge the head of the Navy, the the deputy chief of the defense staff, with something like this. I mean, this is outraged veterans and military circles. So it's not surprising to see Andrew Leslie say... I'm sorry, but I am not at all having anything to do with this, and I'm testifying to back up Mark Norman. And when you look at LavScan, what's alleged there is is uh, interference into prosecutorial independence. These are sort of two sides of the same coin. In LavScan, they're saying, don't go after that company. In this case, they're it's alleged to be saying, go after this guy, go after him. That's what Marie Heinen is arguing, and they believe that this is uh, politicized. And when you really think, like, the PMO pushes for charges against a guy because he bugged Trudeau. They want to lock up the head of, incarcerate the head of the Navy? So this I mean, one, this one is, it's a technically hard case. It's a little bit inside baseball, but I've been watching it for a very long time, and I, because I love Marie Hannon's work. Um, but Bob, part of the problem for, for the Trudeaus, and there's, there's a, the government, and there's a few here with this one, is that the judge in this case, and a lot of the players are the same that we heard in the SNC, whether it's Mike Warnick or we've got Gerald Butts, the judge has already agreed with the defense that there's a, a conflict here because um a they're not giving over the the information and documents that the defense needs in order to defend uh, their client but the judge has already agreed that there doesn't seem to be too much independence with the um you know the prosecutorial uh, privy counsel so she, even she is saying look i get that the defense is accusing you of political interference it doesn't look great but this all comes out right before the election it, it's going to be very difficult for them to campaign while this is going on Oh, did I lose? Did I lose Bob after that whole preamble? It was a good. Preamble. Oh, there you are. Hey there. Okay, I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, 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 number one, yeah. mark me down as a supporter of uh, Vice Admiral Norman, yeah. and I've donated to his uh, his go. Uh, You're the go- five thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. I wish I'm not quite in that snack bracket, but I digress. 
look, I think this whole thing has been disgraceful. Uh, I think it's been unnecessary. Uh, he he is uh, a patriot, and he should not be being treated in the manner that he's being treated. I hope she kicks their you-know-what in court, if, if required. Uh, I suspect this may not even make it that uh, yeah, far. Yeah, I suspect it won't even. I have a feeling she's going I have a feeling the judge is going to throw this whole thing out. Yep. Uh, I think it was disgraceful misuse of political power, mm-hmm. and I think he's owed an apology, and he's uh, owed the restoration to an important position once this disgraceful chapter is closed. I'd like to see it go to trial because I'd love to see, A, I'd love to cover this one, but I'd love to see what comes out because I think it'll be fascinating. But I I do tend to think, because she's already got the motion in place um, to have this thing tossed out. But the, the, the difference in this case than we saw with SNC is Marie Heenan, um, she will not spare any words if this thing's thrown out. I mean, it will be, it will all come out. Yeah. When, when this thing, and, and Marie Heenan, I mean, people will listen to her. And that's what her, her firm is looking for right now. They're trying to get text messages and emails from the prime minister's office, including the prime minister himself, that relate to this issue. Some of those are being held back, and the judge is, is currently pouring through all of these redacted well, they documents. they haven't been able to get anything. To, well, the judge is going to be determining yeah. whether or not these will be redacted or whether they will be provided uh, to Marie Heenan or not for Mark Norman's defense. And, and one is curious, you know, what does all this stuff say? Are we going to have some something similar to uh, when Jody Wilson-Raybould and, and Gerald Butts were, were stepping forward talking about their text messages and their exchanges and so forth. And I think the thing that's at stake here is uh, is, is wilder than than protecting a, a coveted uh, Quebec firm. It's about weaponized the courtroom to take out a, out a, a political the foe. The head of the Navy. That, that's da- the and not just any, not yeah, just no. a political foe. If it was, you know, Andrew Scheer, Jagmeet Singh, I mean, that would be terrible. One thing, but, you know, the, a, a patriot, as, as, Bob, as Bob put it. All right. Well, Bob, we all agree to agree tonight. I don't know what's in the water, but let's keep drinking. I, I, I have a feeling somebody's burning my liberal card in Ottawa right now. But, uh, <laughs> on, okay. on this one, country first, party second. Amen. Wow. Amen. All right. You enjoy your uh, stay in Quebec. We'll have you thank back you. again next week. Thank you. And always thank you, Anthony. I appreciate you coming in, guys. Thank you. Bob Richardson and Anthony Fury. You know, we don't often agree on everything, but, um, you know, we do tonight. Here on Point on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.